the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There you go. All right. Hey, we've got a great first hour for you today. Um, I always like having Acre on from over at uh, University of Central Arkansas. Uh, I've always found it kind of interesting ever since they started that there's this really conservative, lightly libertarian think tank over at UCA because you would think that colleges wouldn't allow people like this to exist. To be honest with you, I'm being honest yeah. with you here. Uh, well, we're in the College of Business, and that does help. Yeah, that does help. I agree. But uh, Mitch Mitchell is here, and Nathan Smith is here. They're both from Acre. Uh, we're going to talk about the session that is coming to an end. I'm hearing uh, that perhaps tomorrow will be when they'll stop. They're not going to adjourn because they've got to come back uh, probably in September-ish uh, That's right. to, to redistrict. Yep. And, uh, of course, the Biden administration uh, and the Census Bureau are dragging their feet about the census data, and they want to get as many illegals into the census as they possibly can. I told you, I'm a conservative. I know why they're doing what they're doing, so that they can uh, try to keep control of areas. Because it's going to be interesting when the the – redistricting happens all across the united states you only have what is it 453 for the house is that what they say is that the number that they 435 435 that they set down okay so you can only have that many members so how do you make sure you know certain states have so many uh congressmen and things well it goes by population uh population will uh have something to do with how they'll devise districts in those states. So it's important that you keep your eyes open. I'll be talking about it a lot. Uh, Doyle Webb will be on more and more as we get closer and closer uh, to redistricting because there's a lot of people going to be keeping their eyes on it. A lot of uh, Democrats going to be keeping their eyes on it. And I can tell you that for a fact that's going to happen because by just moving a few people here over to there, you can change districts completely. With that all in mind, we're not going to talk about it right now. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kind of setting it up yeah, yeah, yeah. for, for a future show. But we're going to talk money. A lot of redistricting money. in Arkansas, too, right? What now? There's going to be a lot of redistricting just in oh, the yes. legislature. The finger is going to go away. Yeah. One of the great things that uh, you know, Governor Beebe left us, the Fayetteville finger, <laughs> that's going to disappear into the 4th District. I guess maybe some of it will go up into the into the uh, the third district for Womack, I don't know. But I think that uh, Bruce Westerman is going to reap most of that. 
Uh, that's Northwest Arkansas is going to get a ton of new seats, right? So they're going to lose as many as maybe five. Yep. Wow. It should be interesting. It should be interesting. Pull that microphone closer oh, to you if you would, Mitch. That'd be great. Yeah. All right. So l- let's talk with you guys. You guys, I know, have not been sitting on your hands nope. uh, during this session. You've been watching what they're doing. It's been kind of interesting because they've really not done anything about money until the last couple of weeks. They've taken all of the bills, everybody, all the ideas everybody came up with, Sent them to the committee. They've been talking about them and stuff, uh, but not loud enough that a lot of us are hearing what they're talking about to see right. w- to see what is going to happen here uh, for the new budget. I mean, there were some really great ideas that came out. I thought uh, Garner had a had a good ar- idea with Stephen Meeks, and they were talking about you know actually sitting on a blueprint for getting rid of uh, the state income tax and. Then it disappeared into the abyss, and we haven't heard much of it since. What are you guys f- hearing? Are you are you hearing a conservative move on the on the money of the state, or are we still kind of doing you know business like business has always been done? Nathan, I don't know about you, but I I feel like one thing that's been really frustrating is a lot of the tax and spending stuff. It's hard to hear anything. Clearly, people are talking about it, but they're not talking about it in a way that you can find out about. That's been really frustrating. Yeah. Nathan and I are going to talk about CARES Act. We're going to talk about long-term reserve fund. But on a lot of this stuff, it feels like it's very hard to figure out what's going on. It's not being talked about where you could go and sit in the committee. Because Nathan and I sit in on committees sometimes. Yeah. Make you nervous? Yeah. A lot of stuff seems to be sort of behind the scenes um, this session. Um, So, and, but partly they're also just putting it off because the revenue situation has been very uncertain. Tax day was put off for a month. And yep. just the whole nature of the post-COVID recovery just makes the future uh, very uncertain. So I think there is a certain rationale for not doing the money stuff now but waiting for the fall. Okay. So are you guys cautiously optimistic or are you – not as pessimistic as perhaps you were when the Democrats were in control. I mean, how how do you feel about this? I think I'm. I wouldn't. I'm, I'm hesitant to say I'm optimistic. I'm less pessimistic. I don't know about you, Nick. What do you think? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I like some of the bills Dismang's put forward. Um, so if those, some of those go through, um, yeah. so um, on on the corporate tax front, and then I, mean, I heard a rumor that they wanted to get rid of the tax cliffs and the income tax code, which that would be a good. Uh, move to make. Um, yeah, they, so. explain what that is, because maybe not everyone this early in the morning knows what the tax cliff is. Yeah, is that okay? yeah. This early in the morning, I don't know a whole lot. Absolutely. So, <laughs> um, well, the way a well-designed income tax code would work is that as you make more money, you pay more tax, and for each dollar you earn, you'd pay a little bit more tax, and you. Does you do that by setting a marginal tax rate that rises, and we go into more detail about that. But Arkansas has something weird, where when you hit certain thresholds, one's just over twenty two thousand, and another you one's get around slammed on the head. Suddenly, your <laughs> tax bill jumps. Yes. So you earn an extra dollar, and you pay one hundred and sixty seven dollars more, and uh, that doesn't really make any sense. But it turns out that to correct that, it it's kind of expensive. You lose a lot of revenue because. 
you have to cut the tax not just on the people who just passed the tax cliff, but on everybody above that level. Um, so that would be a really smart thing to do with the income tax code, would be to eliminate those uh, tax cliffs. But you'd have to have a uh, some room in the budget uh, to be able to do that. Okay. And they probably ha- do have it now. Yeah, I bet you they do. Just my my thoughts on that. Yeah. I, I just say that. I'm, yeah, I mean, they I'm say not they a big a, I'm not a big tax guy, as yeah. as Mitch would tell you. I mean, according to them, they have you know a giant general revenue surplus. They have money surplus accumulated from fiscal 2021. These are things that would make sense because they really do hit people. And it's kind of like a shock. You had no idea that by working a little bit of overtime that you were going to get slammed. And that seems very unfair in my mind to sort of say, hey, work a little bit harder and then we're going to really slam you. The other thing is that at about that same income level, so as you're working your way up, kind of getting out of out of poverty. On the first um, one, on the low one, right? Yeah, on the low one. Um, then you also will get hit by, uh, at some point, you'll cease to be eligible for Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Um, your SNAP benefits will phase out. And if you have CHIP, that would phase out. Um, and lie, there's just lots of programs that you'd start losing access to. So this causes what... Sometimes it's called the marginal effective tax rate. So basically, how much does your disposable income increase for each dollar you earn uh, can be really high. That's like the highest level is precisely for people in that category, which I think is really demoralizing. Um, I mean, and I know quite a few people who are in that situation. I think sometimes it can lead you to feel like there's no point in working a little harder and trying to get ahead because you don't actually – feel it at the level of your of your personal budget it's the same we're seeing it play out in front of us right now how many employers are looking for people to come work for them and they're saying but if i come work for you and but you want to pay to me which is all that they can pay to still turn a profit it's still not enough to make up for what the government's been giving me to sit on my rump right 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 i mean that problem is exacerbated right now because the government is adding $300 extra yeah. uh, to unemployment benefits, as they will be through September, and that does undermine the incentive to work uh, substantially. Do you think that that's going to jump at, in September, or do you think the Democrats having the, the majority in both houses and and uh, figure that they can work things through without getting any Republican votes will extend unemployment benefits? I think they're going to make the money machine go burr and uh... – <laughs> They're just I mean, printing out money. I, I don't expect them to suddenly say, "Wait a second, it's September." Yeah, let's let's realize. I, I don't think so, but I I'm not in their mind, so maybe I should talk about. it. I, I think they'll probably that. spend more money. I mean, they they do certainly want to keep spending more money, but the plans I hear about are all more on the infrastructure front, so called infrastructure. I mean, they're throwing a lot of things but into everything. It, but it is a is little bit different. Yeah. But I, I think that specific unemployment benefit is perceived somewhat as a as pandemic relief. So I'd be surprised if precisely that form continues. Okay. But that sounds good. Yeah, one of the one of the jokes that we have here on the show right now, and I've asked uh, Congressman Hill and Congressman Westerman if if every day if a new lexicon comes out for their office, so they can understand what the Democrats are saying. You know, like uh, what is bipartisanship and and all of those things. You know, those words have been changing their meanings over the last few months. So, uh, you know, infrastructure is probably one of the biggest ones that have sure, changed. Sure. 
if you talk to Bernie and you talk to you know some of the, Gilead and some of the other ones. All right, let's take a break. We got to get a break in, then we'll come back. We're going to talk further. Folks from Acre here. This is a group that is a conservative group that talks uh, from business. And where are we in the state of Arkansas as far as business? I'm going to talk to them about money. I'm going to talk to them about influence on the sides of business as well. And is that good or is that bad? And the name Walmart will probably be raised somewhere during the course of this hour, just so you know. All right. East End Towing, don't forget about them. They're out ready to help you if you happen to break down. They want to give you some real uh, important information here. Whenever your car breaks down on the highway, if at possible, you should make sure you park on the right shoulder, not on the left shoulder, the right shoulder. Uh, The reason being is that the left lane is the passing lane, so they'd rather have you over on the right side so they don't have, you know, an 18-wheeler flying by at 70 miles an hour or whatever. They also would like you to kind of pay attention. Are there any hazards on the road? And know that tow operators have been killed out trying to get people towed off uh, the highways. Uh, If an accident happens, make sure you call 911. Let them know that it's occurred. Uh, Know what the process is. Know that the police are going to arrive. They're going to take a report. If your vehicle needs to be towed, you have the right to request who you want to tow your vehicle. You don't have to accept, well, we're going to call X, Y, and Z tow company to come and get your uh, get your car. Uh, impound yard rules and regulations, you need to make yourself, uh, you know, smart on those as well. Last thing you want to do is be towed and take to the impound lot. Is it going to get expensive for you at that at that point? So if you want somebody who knows the rules, who knows the regulations, then it's East End Towing, and they will help you understand them as well. You can call them at 501-888-8849. That's uh, 501-888-8849. I'm talking Indianapolis right now. 235 miles an hour down the back straightaway. Wow. That's fast, folks, in a car. I'm just telling you. All right. Mitch Mitchell is here from Acre. So is Nathan Smith. We're talking money. And uh, what do I always say about money in politics? Money is is the is the nature's milk of mother, you know, mother's milk of, of politics. And it definitely is that for sure. And I'm and I think a lot of other conservatives are, because we conservative and, and Republican are not synonymous. I, everybody needs to understand that. I've tried to try to get everybody to understand that. Now, I will say this, as I always say, the worst Republican is better than the best Democrat. All right, that's that's another one of my my themes here on the on the show. Uh, but the bottom line is, not all Republicans are fiscal conservatives. They're, they're as big government as some of the, the Democrats are. And you got to watch them as much as you watch the Democrats. Are we seeing a move within the party uh, or within the legislature? Maybe I should put it that way. Where they want to get to, to limited government? I mean, you know, Nathan, you and I are conservatives. Mitch, you and I are conservatives. Limited government means you have to have smaller government. I have yet to see... The, the legislature in Arkansas move 
seriously towards limited government. Yeah, I'd agree with that. There hasn't really been a, much of a trend in that direction. Yeah, and... Are they even talking about it? The talk is cheap. Of, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Uh, I think David Ray is pretty interested in that. He's really good. Um, you know, I'd love to see something like a taxpayer bill of rights. You know, every year the, the amount of money that we feel like we need and we and we put in the budget goes up, up, up. And you notice that after it doesn't take too long before a while you're like, wow, you know, just increasing every now and you know every every chance you get. Before you know it, the budget's really big. And and I love the Milton Friedman quote: "There's nothing so permanent as a temporary tax or temporary program." Yeah, that's almost what Reagan said, right? Yeah. You know, and and I think we'll he, get. he was a friend friend of I think he was an admirer of, of Milton Friedman's. So. It's very tempting to sort of say, hey, we got this giant bucket of money from Biden. We're doing pretty well now. Let's spend it on our new program. It's, and it's, a, it's always a great program, right? It's always a very important program, teaching tap dance or some silly thing. And then <laughs> they don't actually have a tap dance program. They don't actually have a tap dance program. Don't give them ideas. Yeah, I know. I should be careful. <laughs> but I would love to see some kind of, almost like what Colorado has, some kind of taxpayer bill of rights where you say, okay, you get inflation adjustment, you get population adjustment. You know, let's look carefully at your budget and what was it costing? And if you were an entrepreneur, you would look at that practically every day. But in government, uh, it feels like work to cut budgets. It feels like work. You know what else is not fun? Work. Not that fun. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Governing isn't fun. No, no. The work of governing, that doesn't sound that fun. Am I I correct, uh, Nathan? Something that I say all the time is that the people who govern – can get down to limited government. But when you don't want to govern, govern you just tax. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely difficult to cut government. I mean, it's hard work, and uh, and you provoke resistance. And, and it's interesting that with ACES transformation of state government, the first thing he said was, we're not going to lay anybody off. Yeah. Um, We'll just do it through attrition. Well, okay, that makes uh, yeah. it easier. Yeah. It, it makes the battle uh, easier politically in don't a way. Lose, don't lose votes that way. Right. Uh, but who's going to leave? Maybe your best people are going to leave. Maybe you don't want to do it through attrition. Maybe you actually do want to have layoffs if you, if you want to be really serious about uh, streamlining state government. So I think sometimes there's there try the easy way uh, rather than doing the way that's really going to work. One thing I do want to say for the legislature, though, is – of the tax bills, overwhelmingly, they're tax cuts. Yep. So they're mostly trying tax cuts. Sometimes they're not really tax cuts. They're spending that's dressed up as tax cuts. So we call those incentives, <laughs> where yeah. it's actually like a giveaway to business. But right. uh, and So there's there's a little bit of that. But it does seem like they, they want to cut taxes more than they want to raise taxes, at least. Yeah, that part's good. And, and it's very easy to sit here in Arkansas and complain – Man, we could be living in some of these other states that are just terrible. Oh, yeah. I mean, thank God we don't live in Illinois. Oh, I live yeah. close to Illinois, and that was bad enough. New York. Delaware. Yeah. Yeah, those are not California. good states. Yeah. yeah, those are not good states to live in. Oregon, even worse now. They're incredible. I, I think they're getting close to being a communist state, to be honest with you. Yeah, but they are planning to put money... In the long-term reserve fund, and that's supposed to be the rainy day fund, the kind of budget stabilization fund, the what are we going to do if we have a recession again? And, you know, recessions come on a semi-regular basis. So I'm glad that they're putting some money aside. 
Um, in fact, I'm really excited. I mean, it's $700 million. It would take us from near the bottom of the list with only Illinois and Kansas being below us to very high on the list of, of, you know, how much money did you have set aside as a percentage of your budget? So we'd be above Oklahoma and below Texas. So it would be great. And I feel like I should be celebrating. I really do, Dave. I feel like I should be celebrating because I, I have been really on this long-term reserve fund. You need to have a rainy day fund in the same way you and your spouse have a rainy day fund. Sure. Ethan, his spouse has a rainy day. Me and my wife, my spouse, we have a rainy day fund, you know, for just whatever, right? If something happens. In case something happens. We don't even know what this is going to be. We just want to be protected. Here's the reason why I'm not kind of dancing for joy. Because it is, it's a chunk of money. $700 million is what they want to have total. So that should be great. It's plenty of money for the next recession or as best you could do. Ah, but there's no kind of rules about it. Uh-huh. And right now they're being very good. And you know what? Not just politicians, humans. Humans have a hard time being good for a long time. We get tempted. And there's no rules about how much money has to be in there. What can you withdraw it for? Uh, I'd like to see it be – I would prefer to be a constitutional amendment. Constitutional says you have to have a rainy day fund and you can take the money out for this. All right. I want you to keep your thought. I will. All right. Got to go to the news. Yep. We come back from – Nathan, this is the worst part about talk radio. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll pick up what, what, uh, what, what uh, Mitch is saying in a moment. All right, back. We're back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let me remind you what Dustin Turner is doing. Uh, this is the realtor that I tell you I suggest that you go talk to uh, if you're getting ready to sell your home. And if you're trying to sell your home, let me just tell you, now is the time to sell your home because there is a limited amount of homes that are out there for people to go out and shop for. The fewer homes that there are, the better the chances you're going to get the price you're looking for, maybe even better. Secondly, even though the the, the, the amount of homes out there is, is smaller, the amount of money that's being loaned to buy a home is easier to get your hands on. This, I'm just telling you, this is like the best of both worlds for a seller right now. And that's why the, the sellers, uh, it's a seller's market right now and why the real estate uh you know, area is really red hot right now. If you're thinking about selling, now's the time to think hard about it. I was thinking next year, but I'm starting to starting to feel like maybe this year will be the time to to make the uh, to sell. So I'm going to talk to Dustin. He's got a great marketing plan. He gives you a lot of great information uh, that you can use. For instance, your kitchen isn't. You know, it's a nine, It's a 2000 model kitchen. It's not a 2015 kitchen. Do you want to spend $6,000 to make it 2015? Or do you just want to say, well, let the guy who buys my house go ahead and make that, that done on the kitchen. Is it going to cost you that much to do it? Or is it going to cost you when you sell it? That That's different things that you got to look at. And Dustin Turner helps you because maybe you don't need to put the kitchen in. Maybe really what you only need to do is have somebody come in and slap a fresh coat of paint on the inside of the house and it's going to sell anyway. So you talk to Dustin Turner and let him help you out. Okay. 501-952-2969. 501-952-2969 is the number to call or go online to hometeamsold.com. HomeTeamSoldIt.com, 
and then you can start packing. By the way, what I just did was give you a very short uh, economy lesson in that commercial. Nice. That's what I did, did I not? Supply and demand is beautiful. (laughs) I don't know that you can do anything in a kitchen for $6,000. Well, I agree. I'm just using a, pulling a a number out of my head. But the bottom line, you know. I think you made $30,000 in the kitchen. It's pretty doggone expensive. And so, you know, you got to make, those are things you got to think about. Yeah, for sure. You know, you might not need to do that. And, And the market's so hot, you put your house on the market and it goes. Yep. And it does. And I think I'm going to go because I'm in Cabot, it's a good school system. I got a VA loan. I'm close to the Air Force Base. I mean, I'm just, I got some good things working for me. So now may be the time for me. Awesome. Let's get back to talking about what we were talking about, though. Yeah. Mitch, you go ahead and pick up where you were at when we left. Do you remember? We were talking about long-term reserve fund. That's right. Yeah. So long-term reserve fund, that's the state's – it's designed to be a rainy day fund. Now, the state also has another thing called the rainy day fund, which is not a rainy day fund, which doesn't really make any sense. The long-term <laughs> reserve fund is – is the, the money that's kind of put aside for budget stabilization. And the reason is you know there's going to be a recession at some point in the future. Tax revenue plummets during a recession, but not only do you have regular expenses for K-12 through and all the other things, but you also have an increase in Medicaid expenditures. You have an increase in unemployment expenditures. You want to have some money. In the same way, we were talking about this before, you know, your, your family, you and your, your, your spouse have – some kind of rainy day fund in your bank account. Or you should. Or you should. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the roof is going to leak. There's going to be a job loss. You should have a rainy day fund of some sort. Um, Certainly my wife and I, we do. So the good thing is the governor and and the legislature are are putting aside a serious chunk of money uh, into this long-term reserve fund. And that is like really laudable because that's money they theoretically aren't going to spend. And it's, it's, I feel like I should be dancing for joy, Dave, because this is something that's really near and dear to my heart. You should have some money set aside so that when the next recession comes, you're prepared. Yeah. You don't have to just go in and willy nilly start cutting programs or start adding taxes because yeah. often states during recessions have to add taxes. Um, Last time that you need it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for exactly. Nathan. So thanks. And then my only concern is, a good rainy day fund has very strict rules. And the rules are you have to, you know, make deposits, right? You and your spouse have a rainy day fund that you're not putting money in. That, that's actually not a rainy day fund. Mm-hmm. That's just a blank checking account with zero money in it. The other thing is you want really strict rules about when can they take the money out. So you have a rule that says you can take the money out when unemployment gets to a certain point when uh, revenue falls by a certain amount. You have some sort of rule because politicians, it's not just them, it's all of us, we can be tempted. We can be tempted to say, you know what, we should just spend the money just this one time. Just this one time, we can take the money out of, the re- out of our savings account, we'll go on a cruise. We'll do this thing, and for politicians, it's I'm going to do a big program, and my photo's going to be in paper, and I'm going to look great for re-election. And you want there to be very strict rules, and and they should almost be they should be constitutional, and the reason is, if they're not constitutional, it's too easy for the legislature to override them the following year, and and that's not what you want. You want it to say these are this is for an emergency. It's a budget stabilization fund. It's rainy days. Yeah, the last thing you want is you want it done by executive order. That's not the way to do it. No, it is not the way to do it. A couple examples: when I was in the executive branch, then at one point we became aware of an opportunity where we could spend a little bit of money on an engineering study and 
potentially leverage a whole bunch of federal money. It seemed like a smart idea for the state. I sort of searched around to find out where we could get it funded, and I, the answer I got was, oh, we'll just put in a request to the rainy day fund. Well, this was in 2018. Uh, the economy was doing great. It was not a rainy day. That not, wouldn't really be an appropriate way to fund that. And then the Arkansas Rural Connect program got started with a $5.7 million transfer from the restricted reserve fund. Mm-hmm. Again, that's not really the, the intent for these funds. So that's why it's important to have rules around them so that something the but politician it is, wants. it is money that politicians can mess with. Right. It's a personal slush fund. And sometimes they do what you want them to do with and sometimes they don't. But it is, in fact, our money, right? That's, well, that's what I'm told. I mean, it is money that they took from us. And I feel like there should be rules about that. One thing to bear in mind is that this last big economic hit that we took during the COVID-19 pandemic, right. um, it actually didn't hit the state budget very hard. And people might get the wrong idea uh, from that because, for one thing, the federal government stepped in with a lot of aid, but tax revenues were actually pretty healthy. The stock yep. market stayed high all through it. So it was well, if you pump that atypical. much federal money into the, into the economy, stock market don't care where the money comes from as long as it's there. Yeah. yeah, but the next recession may not be like that. It's That's more right. likely to be one where the state budget does take a big hit, and so it's good to be prepared. Okay, so keep that in mind. That's that's something that you gotta you gotta think about. Are we seeing any movement with our legislature now to come up with rules? Well, they're putting the money aside, which is good, really impressive. It's and it's better than I would have guessed a year ago. But I haven't heard anything about let's have some real rules. No. Okay. Yeah, it's just the only thing. Well, it's better than a stick in the eye, right? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. better than a stick in the eye, <laughs> as far as that's concerned. But you need some, you know, you need somebody to say, yeah, but only for this. It's like we've got money put aside in, in my family, but it's there only if I lose my job or something goes so bad with the car that we got to dip into it to fix the car. Right. Th- that's it. It's not for cruises. No. It's not for summer vacation. Not for that 85-inch color TV that or I want. Or for renovating your kitchen. That's right. Yeah. Not not any of that. Right, right. You know, you got come up with that money from somewhere else, and we got a secondary fund. I'm, I'm bad about this. I got a secondary fund that 10% always goes into, Yeah. you know, because we know we're going to want things. Yeah, yeah. We, we have a fund, a fund account, too, that we're like, okay, we have this for things that we want to do that yeah. would be fun. And we have an account that's for if we lost our jobs or something happened at the house. Because something always happens. Something always happens. We have an old house, so it's just like there's I always understand that. One thing, we do have a lot of money also in the UI uh, Trust Fund, which is uh, what is specifically that? Yeah, the Unemployment that. Insurance Trust Fund. Okay. Uh, so that is uh, a pot of money that's used to pay unemployment benefits. And since... The unemployment rate rises and falls. Sometimes you have to spend a whole lot of money out of that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you are putting money in because you don't have very many people unemployed. Uh, so during the previous recession, not 2020, but the one before that, that fund went a long way into the red. And then it recovered, and it was at a very high level, um, over $800 million, uh, before the pandemic hit. And then it sunk some because we were paying out a lot of unemployment benefits, but they put a lot of the federal aid that they got last time around back into the UI trust funds and so basically saved it. Um, so that fund's quite healthy. So you know, that, that's good news. That's yeah, they actually do deserve right. yeah. some kudos on that. I mean, not some, but there's plenty of states that didn't 
didn't do that, have not re- right. restored their un- unemployment insurance fund. Okay, so I'm going to bet that's a blue state. Yes, <laughs> primarily, yes. Yeah. Those <laughs> states we were mentioning before that were like, wow, thank goodness I don't live in Illinois or New yes. Jersey. Yeah, yes. that's who we're talking about. And and that, that was one of the reasons that Biden's uh, last – uh, what two point nine trillion dollar program that the Republicans wouldn't sign on to had to do with bailing out states in their pension plans and things, and it's a that's a that's kind of a kept secret from the American people. Just tell you, it's even kept away from us here in Arkansas because there are some things that we have that aren't on the books, so to speak. That if they ever came due, we'd be in deep kimchi. Yeah, and it's interesting. The American Rescue Plan, the one that was recently passed, $1.9 trillion, that was maybe to some extent structured as a, as a blue state bailout. Um, and it gives a lot of money to states. But it does give money to Arkansas, too. Yeah, Arkansas is getting $1.67 billion. Now, arguably, that's sort of less than our fair share, and that's because our unemployment rate's low and they proportionate according to unemployment. But still, it's still a lot of money that we probably don't really need. I mean, we had a surplus anyway. And so suddenly we had this new uh, tranche of federal aid coming in. And it, if most states were like Arkansas, it would have made no sense at all to do that. But they wanted to do it because some states are in more trouble. And then sort of for the sake of at least some fairness, then they also uh, provided that money to states like Arkansas. Uh, unfortunately, they tried to attach strings to it where it prohibited states from cutting taxes. Uh, it's not clear whether that's legal or where, how that will be interpreted. Right. There's probably still some scope for cutting state taxes, but it does rain on your parade a little bit if, if what you wanted to do is uh, cut taxes. Um, we just we can't just use that money directly to cut taxes, which would probably be what we'd want to do with it if we could. Right. Uh, um, but uh, but so in, in a way, the blue state bailout also has benefits for red at least red states haven't been totally left well, you, out of it. yeah sure you're, you're still getting money yeah they, they've got to they've got to play the game so it makes it look like yeah you know it's fair so yeah. to speak all right let's take a break we'll come back finish up with our guys from acre want to talk about the cares act a little bit with you yeah, guys it's important. yeah we got 13 minutes to the top of the hour let me remind you about pat davis and what he's doing as far as health care goes uh you want health care how about if i can save you 30 to 50 percent off on your health insurance well not me pat can uh pat can see you get a 30 to 50 percent health insurance cut uh if you're self-employed you know how expensive health insurance is just 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 go ahead and uh and give him a call he'll show you how you can afford it uh it's an actual insurance plan it's not a share plan share plans are not insurance plans you always keep that in mind uh you get to break out of the grip of the government uh, telling you, you know, hey, we're going to give you X amount of dollars to help you, you know, giving you one of those subsidies uh, to buy your health insurance. But always remember what the government gives, the government can take away. And if they take it away and they raise the price of your health insurance, uh, you're going to be SOL or simply out of luck. So you want to know how to get away from that. And you can choose any provider here in the nation. Uh, Pat's going to be on with me on Friday. We'll talk specifically about a lot of this and how it can uh, it can help you. For instance, no copays. How do they do it? You be listening Friday. Pat's going to explain it to you. It's Pat Davis. He is your health plan man. Uh, his phone number is 501-605-6935, 501-605-6935, yourhealthplanman.com. 
man dudes we gotta get together for lunch just so we can sit and yeah. and talk absolutely policies this crazy stuff all right uh, so i've got uh, mitch mitchell here and uh, nathan smith they're both from acre it is a conservative business uh group they're a think tank over at uca and uh, they are not funded by the chinese government uh, although there are some institutions that are funded by the chinese government pompeo told us all about them they still haven't done anything about the one on uca keep waiting for that one anyway enough enough on me getting on that i, I i'll wait until wednesday and talk to talk to the congressman hill about that again anyway guys uh, cares act where are we on that how much how much money has come into this state and is, is it so much that the average taxpayer can't even have any idea of what's going on? Are we that flush? Well, I'm sure the average taxpayer doesn't have much of an idea of how much the feds have spent. It's come, come in in so many different channels. Directly to the state, it was $1.25 billion in CARES Act funds last year. Just for us? Just for Arkansas. Okay. Yeah. And then this year, it's $1.67 billion. And last year, Arkansas got more than its population share of the CARES Act money. This year, we're getting less than our population share of the American Rescue Plan Act money because of unemployment rates being lower. But it's still more money than was provided last year. Um, And then there's a lot of money that's going to the uh, cities and counties as well. So so my big question is a simple one. For you who are sitting out there and you're hearing these numbers, they're, they're inconceivable, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, you hear you hear billions of dollars. You go, I only got twenty dollars in my savings account. Anyway, bottom line is is, is that uh, do you have better government because of that? Are you seeing anything change here in Arkansas, and that much money is flowing in? And if not, where's that funny that money going and flowing to, and where is it sticking and stopping? So that's kind of why I bring these guys on. Good question. I I mean. Hopefully, at least some people uh, that are listening to this may have seen some benefit from the program I was uh, working on last year, the uh, the Arkansas Rural Connect program. So um, that was where uh, quite a bit of that CARES Act money went, and some of it went to the Unemployment Insurance Trust Fund. Um, about $147 million of it went to open for business grants early in the pandemic, where they were providing grants to business to try to, uh, to reopen and do what they needed for health reasons in order to get ready. Um, but, but in all honesty... When you're talking 170 million out of 1.2 trillion, drop in the bucket. It was a yeah. There's a lot more <laughs> that was going on uh, with that money as well. And as far as what they're going to do with the American Rescue Plan money, it's hard to say. I mean, I think last year at least it was the midst of a huge national crisis, and I do have some sympathy with Congress for coming together and be like, let's just throw a huge amount of money at this problem because it seems like civilization might be about to fall apart. And if anybody has any ideas of how to help, let's make sure they have the cash for it. Now this time around, the pandemic is fading. Yes, and we know how to deal with it, and yet they're giving even more money to the state, and it, it's very strange. Um, it puts the state in a strange situation because this kind of really extra budgetary funding like this is not something that they're used to dealing with. And last year they set up a CARES Act steering committee, which were mostly appointees of the governor. There were some legislators on it too, uh, who met regularly and 
uh, and made decisions about how that money was spent. And they actually posted all of that online, so you could go back and look at the CARES Act steering committee meetings if, if you wanted to, looking, watching them deliberate. But still, once the money is voted and then starts passing through the system, then it, it can get pretty hard to see what all is, is happening to it. Uh, and, and this year, I don't know what they're going to do, but the uh, uh, the Senate, pa- well, the, the legislature passed Senate Bill 446. That's now requires the executive branch to go to the legislative council with plans and get those approved. So the governance of that fund will be different this time around. I like that idea. I do too. I like that. I I was part of Dan Sullivan's lawsuit against the governor that uh, he cut out the, the state legislature from making a lot of the decisions during the pandemic, and that's not the way. The founding fathers ever viewed this country we didn't want kings <laughs> we wanted you know we wanted a group of people that represented yeah, yeah, absolutely. us absolutely and we and we were not getting that all right so what the state of the state all right is it healthy would you say we're healthy nathan are we in good shape uh it would be nice if we were spending less money and had a little bit more uh, restraint on uh, government, certainly. Uh, I think, I mean, one thing that's good news is that we did have a couple of uh, bills passed this semester that opened up greater scope of practice for nurse practitioners. So that's a good step on yep. the supply side uh, in the healthcare industry. And healthcare costs rising has been a major driver of increasing government spending. So I think that was a positive step. How about telehealth? Are, are we going to see that made legal in the state of Arkansas, or are we going to just going to have it while we got a executive order by the governor? You know, back in, in the fall, when we were sort of thinking about what, what do we really want to work on during this session, we said telehealth's clearly going to pass. I thought it would. Never occurred to us we needed to do any real research on telehealth, because we were like, well, that one's obviously going to pass. And that has been caught up in, as best I could tell, two groups of physicians trying to figure out which one's getting a slightly bigger cut. Um, it's been a lot of back and forth on that one. It's the way it works. Yeah. That is always the way that it, it works. Guys, we're going to, I was telling Mitch, I'm going to set this up so we can have these guys back on at least per quarter. Yeah, I mean, once a quarter would be great. If, if it gets really, really serious about something, we'll have you guys come in and talk about it. But you got to have somebody come in and explain what's going on. Because the average person in our government so big, you, you, you don't know what's going on. Right. It's, it's that simple. And, and that's to their advantage. Our advantage is I've got people like this that can come on thanks. and give us some really good information. Do our best. Mitch, yeah, thank thanks, you. Thanks. Nathan, thank you for coming in today on the Dave Ellswick Show. Thank Next you. hour, power panel's coming in. Guess what we're going to talk about? Remember I had Stubblefield on, Senator Stubblefield, and he said, Governor, he's not going to veto SB 298. Guess what he did? He vetoed it. We're going to talk about it in the next hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show.
So here we gather on a Monday. Last week on Thursday, we had uh, uh, Senator Gary Stubblefield on, and we I was congratulating him on the passage of SB 298. And, I, and that's the sovereignty bill. To be honest with you, I didn't know if it would get on the floor of both houses and get passed. I just didn't know if, if they had the wherewithal to do it. But they did. Yeah, with, with overwhelming majorities. Yes, overwhelming. That really blew me away, too. Uh, and I asked the senator, and the senator is listening right now because we got him on again today. I asked him, do you, do you think that the governor will veto this bill? And he said he didn't think there was going to be any problem with that. Well, it became a problem, I think, on Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's the last day he had to decide what he wanted to do, and he vetoed this bill. So now we're going to have to see it come to the floor, and they're going to have to you know, get 50 plus 1 to override uh, the governor's uh, veto uh, on, on SB 298. Now, over the weekend, I got a letter from the prosecutors of Arkansas. And each of my power panel, Paul, R.D., Iverson, they've all seen that letter as well. And uh, it's B.S., man. I'm just telling you, it's B.S. They're raising things in there. This reminds me when we tried to get rid of the food tax during Huckabee's administration. And he was going to say we were going to become a third world state if we got rid of the, the tax money. As far as, as that was concerned. How about if we didn't pass Arkansas Works, the counties and the schools would go bankrupt? Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm, we can go on and on. <laughs> they all, sent letters all out All the all other the hospitals across right. the rural area of Arkansas would go away. Let, let's get Senator Stubblefield on here first. And then Rob Steinbach is sitting in the wings ready to step up and sing for us. He's ready, man. I'm telling you, he's, he's been gargling this morning. He's ready to go. Uh, <laughs> Senator, you got to tell me what... What do you think? I mean, I mean, I can't get into this 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 governor's head. I really can't. This is a a, a bill that Arkansans wanted. The legislature delivered overwhelmingly, and he vetoes it. What's going on here? Well. You know, I'm having I'm having some problems myself today trying to understand where the governor's coming from. Other than the fact that he's he's appearing to be more and more like a, a federal supremacist here, because when he made a remark last week on the supremacy clause, it's pretty obvious he didn't understand the supremacy clause of the United States Constitution. Uh, you know, it, it almost appears like these people in Washington, and I'm not including Asia in those people, although he's looking more and more like those people, they are trying to, to treat each state. In fact, I, I really believe they're trying to remove the sovereignty uh, from the states. Mm-hmm. Because once they remove the sovereignty, we lose our freedom, and we're under uh, just a central government. And uh, this whole week, uh, this whole weekend, I know that, it, it's been nothing more than a, a week end of disinformation campaign uh, going on to, to prevent our state from even acknowledging the fact that we're a sovereign state and uh, just reaffirming that thought that's all we were doing and saying we're not going to go along with any federal uh, restrictions on our, our infringements on our God-given rights. That's basically all this bill does. It does set aside and includes it does include a section that would prohibit uh, 
state and local law enforcement agencies from enforcing federal laws that infringe upon our enumerated rights. And this is not just about the Second Amendment. This is about the Bill of Rights yep. in the state of Arkansas. And how could that be wrong? I mean, I don't know how that could be wrong when you you hold your law enforcement accountable for upholding your constitutional rights. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you, know, you. They're putting so much misinformation and false information. But, Dave, you know as well as I do, this happens any time you push back against a federal government that is completely broken and out of control. I mean, we're looking at possibly now, and I know I've followed very closely what's happening in Washington. They just passed about three weeks ago through the House uh, two gun bills. One of them was H.R. 8, and the other one was H.R., I think it was 1466. One of them was going to, uh, it was an act that would criminalize private gun sales. You couldn't even give your son or your daughter a gun uh, without having them register it. Because it, it, they would have to fill out the, that form. You have to fill out 4473 that documents the identity of the farm purchaser, which really what this does, it would set up a gun registry. Of gun owners. That's right. And when you look at the history of that, that always leads to gun confiscation. Mm-hmm. And then, and then when they pass the next week, it's 1466 that will allow the FBI to put a hold up to 30 days rather than the three days that are currently allowed. I mean, you can see what's coming. And then I watched one day as I came in, I was watching his uh, uh, so-called press secretary, this Jim Saki, who was talking about. President Biden getting ready to uh, issue a whole slew of directive uh, executive orders mm-hmm. in regard to red flag laws. Oh, now, yeah. if they come out with an executive order saying every state has to implement a red flag law, this is exactly what this bill would prevent. Mm-hmm. Would prevent it would stop that. I agree and with I, you. I don't think the, I don't think the people of the state of Arkansas want the federal government government telling us. What we have to do in regard, and it's it's gotten completely out of hand. I'm telling you, we live in, we're living in some very perilous times right now, and uh, when you push back against this federal government, it's just natural for them to push back against you. But I was hoping our governor would stand with us on this, and apparently he is not. So, but but let me let me just say something. I'm, I met with, and I I don't think you'd mind me telling you this. Senator Flippo and I met with Cody Highland over the weekend, probably spent three hours with him on Saturday, going over some of the so-called unintended consequences of this bill in regard to to uh, witnesses being able to testify with in these federal cases that would put these bad guys, and I'm talking bad guys, these are not the misdemeanor, these are the gangbangers and the guys that need to be put away for life. And... And when I brought up the fact that the bill, 298 does not have an emergency clause. In other words, it doesn't go into effect immediately. And I was under the assumption, I've been down here a while, that if we're going into an extended recess and we don't have, we don't sign a die, I mean, most bills, that time frame starts when you sign a die. Well, we're not signing a die. We're going into an extended recess. And I was, I was thinking, you know, if, if we come back in the fall from it, and we will come back to deal with redistricting right. and a few other issues involving taxes, that the signing die would start after we signing down in the fall, which would give, and I told Cody this, I said, you know, this this bill could not even go into effect till possibly 
maybe even December. And he said, well, that, that shines a, a new light on the whole thing because our problem was we had 800 cases that because of COVID had backlogged and we couldn't get these things run through the system. And he said, this would give us time to get most of them through the system, if not all, because he said 50% of them or more will plead once they know we're, we're, you know, we're running the courts again, which we haven't done in a while because of COVID. And he said, that shines a whole new light on the whole thing. And I said, so you don't have much of a problem? He said, no, we, if that's the case, we don't have that much of a problem. But that's mm-hmm. not, that still wouldn't have prevented these, these uh, law enforcement in the state of Arkansas from testifying in court against these fed, in these federal cases to put these guys away longer. And that's some of the, some of the things that the governor's been saying that are absolutely not true. And, and we amended, we took the federal code, uh, it's 922, those are codes in the U.S. law that deal with unlawful acts. And we amended, we amended some of those out, and they were, and they were really good ones. I mean, we did some things to it to make it even better. And I, I think we've got a great bill. I think it's going to protect the state of Arkansas against federal government coming in and imposing some of these unconstitutional infringements on our on our God-given rights. Yeah, I, I, I got I got to tell you, Senator, I I'm happy that you're standing up, Robert. Let me bring you in, and and the the senator is exactly right. This goes beyond gun rights. This goes to HR one, which would cha- change the way that we do elections in this country. This uh, goes into the uh, equity law that they that they want to pass, where it doesn't come under uh, you know our religious liberty uh, statutes, where they can tell a preacher you can't preach that, you can't do this, you can't do that. That's a freedom of speech issue. I mean, I think we're sitting on the cusp, and people might think I'm overreacting, but I think we're sitting on the cusp of tyranny here in this country. What do you think? Dave, I think that the notion behind this bill is rather simple. It's a policy preference. Gary and the other elected officials represent the people of Arkansas, and they get to make a policy preference. And they are saying in this bill, if the federal government decides to enact and then enforce certain federal laws, we don't want to be involved. We're not stopping them. We can't stop them. They have federal law enforcement. The federal laws are allowed to be enforced by federal law enforcement. This bill says our state law enforcement won't be involved. They often are through task forces and that kind of thing. And we've decided, says this bill, which passed, uh, we're not going to do that anymore. That is a decision by those elected officials that we put in office. Now, to be fair, the governor is part of that process, and he can say no. However, Arkansas is relatively rare in having the um, approach that the legislature could override the governor with the same number of votes that passed the bill in the first instance. And we've talked about this before, Dave. I am tired of seeing legislators being windsocks, being uh, put their finger in the wind and decide which way it's blowing. If they voted for something before, unless they've realized they simply made a mistake, clicked the wrong button, some oddity like that, they should stick to their convictions and vote again. So this will be another test 
for those legislators, like returning the money, the all $60,000 total, <laughs> total, yeah. to those store owners, etc., who were fined for not being the uh, COVID police. So let's see what happens. All right. We got to take a break. Senator, if you'll stay with us just for a few more moments, we'd like to talk to you. And, of course, Robert, you stay with us. We're going to want to talk to you as well. Paul's here. RD's here. Iverson's here. I'm here. We're talking about SB. uh, Is it 298? Is that correct? All right. We're going to talk more about it when we come back. And will the legislature override the governor's veto? That's to be determined. We will talk about it when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about PI Roofing. Let PI Roofing take care of your roof. Last night, I was sitting watching TV. I was watching Netflix and watching this new show they got called uh, Smoke and Bone. It's a fantasy series uh, that, that's on, and it's pretty good. It's, it's not like they say. They, they say it's the new Game of Thrones. There ain't nothing like the Game of Thrones. I'm just telling you. That was, this is a pretty good show, but it's not that good. Uh, but I'm sitting there, and Linda looks at me. She goes, you see that over the TV? And I go, see what? I'm thinking she's seeing a spider because she can see a spider from 200 yards. I'm just telling you. And I, I looked up and I couldn't see it. And then all of a sudden it struck discoloration on the ceiling. That's water, folks. Only water does that. So I got when I get off the air, I'm calling PI Roofing, 707-3551. Have them come out, figure it out. And uh, I've been telling you, I thought I probably would need a new roof this year. I bet you that's what they tell me because this is uh, the third uh, little leak that we've had here recently. And PI Roofing can take good care of that. Really, really professional people doing what they do and doing what they do the best, and that's fixing your roof. You call them. It's who I call. You're hearing what I'm telling you right now. I'm calling them today. 707-3551 or go online to piroofing.com. All right, back with you on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, Senator Gary Stubblefield is with us. Also, uh, law professor uh, Robert Steinbach from over Bowen School of Law. Remember, his opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily that of the uh, school or the university to which it's attached. Senator Stubblefield, I'm sure you've been on the phone a lot. Uh, That's why I didn't try to call. I just texted you. And uh, how are you feeling about overriding the governor's veto and when would you think that would happen would it happen as early as today yes i, I do believe it will happen today when we convene at one o'clock uh, i don't know the exact time uh we we've got some resolutions to read across the desk those usually take 30 minutes i, I think i think it will probably be around two o'clock somewhere around that time frame okay do you think that and, and, and then if the senate override if we do override it of course, we will have to override it before the House will even take it up because it's a Senate bill that began in the Senate. So if we override it in the Senate, then the House will will uh, vote to whether to override it or not as well. And uh, we'll know today. All right. So let me just ask, how many votes? I mean, I'm sure you've been out whipping it a little bit. Uh, how many? Making sure people are going to stand behind their original vote. How is it looking right now? Well, you know, I would just be guessing. I think it's going to be close. Uh, I think it's going to be close, but I, I think, and I may be wrong, 
that we have we have the votes in the Senate. I'm, not, I'm almost positive we have them in the House. You would think, but so. I think we have them in the Senate as well because these House members are going to be <clears> looking very close at who votes for this and who votes against it. Because you know, in, in two years, you've got a lot of races coming up, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, this is a big topic. This is a big issue. It's a big deal among the citizens of the state of Arkansas because you know our primary job as state legislators, Dave, is is to be the guardian of the people's liberty against federal encroachment. That's one of our main jobs. And, and I think this is this bill is one of the greatest hopes we have right now to, to save the sovereignty of our state. We lose that, and like I said, we, we basically lost it. Okay, question: our, our Police, our police are under attack, right? Like never before in the history of our country, the morale among our police officers is as low as it's ever been. And I, this bill, even though even though some of these law enforcement agencies, just a few have come out and said it will hurt them. It will not hurt them. I don't know of one law officer that wants to participate in helping the federal government uh, enforce or infringe an unconstitutional law on the citizens of our state. I just don't know of any. All right. Artie? Hey, this is Artie. I'd like to thank you for running this bill. You know, you're talking to uh, me, Paul, and Iverson here. We were born in this state. We love this state. And we want to raise our families in this state and retire in this state. And, uh, you know, the Tenth Amendment, I believe, is the key to the future of, of our com- our country and our liberty. And uh, I think this is a defining moment to see if, if we all abide in the state of Arkansas and stand arm in arm for the rights given to us by the Constitution. So uh, I wish you luck today. We will be contacting everybody we can, and I think this is a defining moment for the state of Arkansas, and I appreciate you putting us in the position to uh, to stand with the Constitution. Hi, Everson. Hey, uh, uh, Stubblefield. I just want people to think about this. Remember when uh, just a few years ago when 30-plus states had passed uh, uh, laws concerning marriage being between a man and a woman? Mm-hmm. And that that was taken away from the state's marriage as a state issue, but the federal government took it away. Yep, they, mm-hmm. they sure did. I, well, well there's, that's that's a good point, Iverson. But go all the way back to 1973 when the federal government passed Supreme Court passed Roe versus Wade. There you go. At that time, Amen. there were 48 states in the country that had anti-abortion laws on their books. The Supreme Court forced them to go back and change their laws in 48 states. To, to line up with their ruling in the in the Supreme Court. And at that time, they took a poll that said that 92% of Americans bel- were against abortion. Wow. So the Supreme Court went against the will of 98% or 92% of the American people to force their will on the American people. But you're, you're exactly right about the Tenth Amendment because most scholars agree that without the Tenth Amendment, there might not have been a Constitution because the members of the several states that it was a prerequisite before they would even ratify the Constitution. They weren't willing to relinquish their sovereignty to, to this one centralized government. That's right. They, they had just come out of 700 years of living under a monarchy. That's right. And they, they didn't want to return to that. All right. Senator, I'll let you go. My fingers are crossed. My toes are crossed. My eyes are crossed <laughs> that, this, that this goes our way uh, today. And, and isn't it true? I, I got... Well, 
I don't have enough time to ask the question because I got to get to the break for rush. But we'll let you go. I'll bring it up with Robert when we come back here in the second half hour. He's going to be with us still. But thank you so much for standing up for us. We appreciate you. Hey, thank each of you. I appreciate you guys. All right, thank you very much. Okay, Senator Gary Stubblefield here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Always a pleasure to have him on. We got to get to rush when we come back. Power panel still be here. Robert Steinbach. I've kept him quiet. I'm going to unleash him a little bit in the next half hour as we continue on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you on the Dave Ellswick Show. It is a Monday. It's 25 minutes to 8. We're going to get Robert back in here in just a second because I know he's got more to say. Let me remind you about St. Clarity Residential Cleaning. Get your house deep cleaned. Get it clean. It's Mother's Day is coming now. I'm always looking at these holidays. Mother's Day is coming, what, May 10th, I think it is? Uh, is coming up, and you're going to want to give your mom something. Clean the house for her. Keep her from having to get down. I don't know about you, but my mom used to get down on her hands and knees and clean the house. And she was a clean freak. I mean, when you ran the sweeper for my mom, you couldn't get away with just <laughs> running the sweeper around the furniture. You moved the furniture, mm. and you cleaned under the furniture, and then you cleaned the furniture You know, when you were cleaning the house. So... Uh, let uh, St. Clarity Residential Cleaning uh, clean your home for you. Typically, for a home up to 2,500 square feet, 300 bucks. Uh, I can save you some money on that by calling here to 1011 FM The Answer, uh, 404-6560. Call after 9 o'clock. Talk to Chuck. You can get it for $150. That's not a bad deal to get, your, get about a four-hour or five-hour cleaning uh, done for you. Uh, by St. Clarity Residential Cleaning. So uh, take care of that. Do it today. We're running out of uh, certificates. Uh, 404-6560, number to call after 9 and talk to Chuck and, uh, and do your mother something nice. You know, Mother's Day, guys, typically we give something to our our wives, if to the mothers of our children. So that'd be a good gift for her as well. All right, let me uh, jump right back in here, and we've got Robert Steinbach. He is with us. He is a law professor at the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone, and uh, not necessarily those of the school nor of the university. And I bet you you would probably be on the other side of this one, Robert, if we were talking about how a lot of the university professors would see uh, versus you the way you see it. But Gary Stubblefield said something just a moment ago about the, the House members would be thinking uh, about their elections coming up. Well, since it is a redistricting year, does that not mean that the senators are running again for re-election into, in next year as well? Doesn't everybody have to run for re-election? It's a good point, Dave. I'm still not exactly sure how that process works, to be honest with you. But my inclination is that you're right. And he may not be thinking about that the way most of us, including me, uh, uh, weren't or wasn't thinking about that. It's the whole um, redistricting sort of uh, upsets the pot uh, entirely. But I don't know the specific procedures, to be honest with you. All right. With that said, let me just ask you, this is a monumental vote that's coming up about overriding uh, the governor. This will tell us where our legislature is. Do they really want to be a legislature or do they still want to be the lapdog of the governor? Is that not right? 
Well, Dave, you have really honed in on the critical question here now, because combine two things. You talk about the question of what role will, will Arkansas take relative to the federal government, and then what role will the legisl- legislature take relative to the governor? Meaning, do we want to be a state that says we are a state? Not that we're uh, a division of the federal government. We are a state in a federal system where we determine what we do and the federal government determines what they do. And of course, there's overlapping jurisdiction, but we don't have to do their job and they don't do our job because that's what this bill is about. Yeah, that's that's interesting. The question is, does the legislature want to say we, the folks who pass a bill, really mean what we say? Or do we show up to the legislature like one shows up to the movie theater uh, with a bucket of popcorn and not pay much attention to what we do? In other words, do our votes matter? When we voted, did we mean it? Or was it just a joke? Because if you meant it on Friday, you mean it on Tuesday. I'll gladly pay you for that hamburger on Tuesday, <laughs> if I may use a, a little reference. All right. uh, okay, Wimpy, ahead. we're listening to you. We're, <laughs> that's right. We're, we're, exactly we're, we're right. hearing you. By the way, I just got a text from a state senator, and he said all 35 state senators are up for re-election 22. in 2022 because of redistricting. Artie, is this is this is a key issue about that like i said before when it comes to arkansas we love our state we love our freedom you know we're from arkansas and uh, we don't want to move anywhere else when it comes down to the 10th amendment you know they're they're hanging the the rope around our neck when it comes to the 10th amendment and taking the our state sovereignty away from us and when it comes down to our freedom of religion they have made several things civil rights and they're making it against the law to speak against certain things so they are working and their it, way and into it doesn't fall churches. it doesn't fall under rifra which means they can come directly after the church that's exactly right so so th- i think this is a divining moment for our state you know I, i've i've lived here i've stayed here there's other places i could go to make more money there are places i could take my business with more people but, you know, we love this state, and we don't want to leave. If they will not stand up for the sovereignty of this state, then uh, we may have to move somewhere else, and I really don't want to move somewhere else. Yeah. Iverson? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, I, I'm a native Arkansan, but I have lived in several different states. Me too. Like, I'm, like not a native. I'm not a native Arkansan, but I've lived in other states yeah, as well. Yeah, I live. And I, and I tell you what, my, my aim was always to get back to Arkansas because we do enjoy some freedoms here that, that you just can't don't have in other states. And so I like to see those uh, freedoms remain. All right, let me jump in because you had something else, Robert? I was going to say that I, like you, Dave, was not born in Arkansas. I grew up in New York State, and I thought things like not being able to own a gun were what I had to suffer my whole life. And then I moved to Arkansas, and I said, hey, there are people that actually think the way I think. There are people that vote the way I vote. I'm staying here. Mm -hmm. And so when we see legislators continue to create an environment as they did in passing this bill the first time around that says we're Arkansas 
We're not the federal government. We're not New York. We're not California. We're Arkansas. I like to see that because that's why I moved here. I'm an Arkansan by choice. Yeah, so so am I. And by the way, since all those senators have to be reelected in 22, you stand on the precipice right now. We are going to watch. If you voted for this bill, may I suggest you vote for it again today to override the governor's veto? Because if not, I see you as one of the biggest hypocrites that stand uh, up, and uh, you need to be replaced. You, you know, this well, is the Dave a- Ellswick show is going to be a huge influence in two years because of the number of elections. People pay attention to the Dave Ellswick show in general when it comes to elections. But now we are doubling or tripling the number of people up for election. Guess what? There's going to be an effect. Well, if you change your vote, know that you'll get a call from me to invite you on my show <laughs> to tell me why. Hey, you may have an opponent yep. if you vote against this bill. And that's what we're saying. Uh you know, people don't like having opponent, opponents. Once they get in, they like to be in for the term. And, uh, hey, if they're doing a good job, I'd just assume them be doing it and me raising my family and doing other things. And now, I'm not saying I would run. I'd probably have to find another wife. But <laughs> I would help look and support, some, support somebody. But uh, the question to Arkansas is, is your freedom more important, or is your money coming from the federal government more important? That's the question for Arkansas. What's number one, your freedom or your federal handout? Well, and there's and there's some other issues involved, too. So so I, I spoke with a legislator, I think it was yesterday, he, he called me and was kind of... He will go unnamed. He will go unnamed. You would know and, who it is and, if we named right, him. Right. And, but, um, and so he was concerned about some of these different situations where... From the prosecutor's letter. And so, and, and so where we have maybe some federal cases going on. And, um, and 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 so they're concerned that well, okay, somebody's been charged with federal crimes, and if we have, if we do this, we're just have to have to let them go. Well, the fact is that you know just about every law that that would have been a concern is also covered under state law, and so these guys who may be under federal investigation, they can be charged with fed, with with state crimes on these same. It's like maybe it's a it's a felon in possession of a gun. Or something of that nature. Maybe they've handed a gun over to a child or something of that yeah. nature. Or they've, they've murdered a bunch of people. You know, murder's illegal in Arkansas, too. It doesn't have to be a federal crime to really? prosecute these people. And so just about everything. And so I, 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 he was bringing up various different issues. And so I looked up the state code for him. We didn't find anything that conflicted. We, we couldn't actually find a state code to deal with it. So if it, it because the thing is that there are so many things that, that are illegal that don't need to be dealt with by the federal government. Okay, so let's turn it over to Robert on that that part of it. Your thoughts on that, Robert? Look, Dave, this is a policy question. Uh, do, do you want the federal government involved with state law enforcement and vice versa? And frankly, one can argue in different contexts, different ways. I have not analyzed that issue entirely. But what I can tell you is that the legislature made a decision on that. And there's certainly a basis to do so. And so if those legislators made that decision, now the question is, did you do it willy-nilly? Did you do it in the dark? Were you not doing your job? You're paid to make decisions. You've made them. Explain to me in two years, as you said, Dave, why you've changed that decision because somebody else 
told you that he didn't like that decision. Well, bu- bureaucrats throughout the state. Well, they the- changed their decision in less than a week if they <laughs> if they don't override the, the right. governor's veto. Bottom line is I've heard so much talk going into this session that the legislature was going to pass and push back against the governor to show that the legislature still mattered. All right. Now let's see. Are you just blustering, or you truthfully believe that principle? Will you vote to override the governor and stand for what the legislature passed just less than a week ago dealing with this particular law? Let's take a quick break, then we'll come back. We'll finish it up for today. Robert Steinbach is with us from the Bowen School of Law. I've got uh, Paul here. i got R.D. here. i got Iverson here. We're all chewing nails right now, just to be honest with you. We've had uh, Senator Gary Stubblefield on. I've had several other senators saying we're hearing Stubblefield talk. People making their minds up right now. I'm just saying if you believe that the legislature should be the ones that are making law, then you will override the governor of this state on this veto. Do you have questions about filing for Social Security? If you do, you can get answers in a simple, easy-to-understand booklet called Your Guide to Social Security. It's from David Lucas Financial in North Little Rock. It's 27 pages long. It outlines what you need to know. Now, that could help you get even more income when you file for your Social Security because you can make some decisions that will cost you considerably you know, a lot of money. Uh, if you're within five years of filing for Social Security, Get this free booklet. Remember, that's my favorite four-letter word that starts with F. This free booklet now by calling 501-222-3315. 501-222-3315. And as a bonus, you're going to receive a free, there's that word again, customized Social Security analysis. It pinpoints the optimal time that you can wring every nickel out of your benefits. And that sounds terrible when I say it that way. It's not. You're the one that paid into the system. You should get everything out of it that you've got coming. Pick up the phone. Call right now, 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. I love telling RD something that I know he doesn't like. And then we're coming back and he can't say anything. I you saw, know, you're biting your tongue right now. You, you know how to poke my balloon. Dogs, yeah. <laughs> all my right. Ro- so, so, Robert, now that we know that all the senators are up uh, for re-election in a couple of years, it sounds like to me right. that they have got to better be weighing this vote that's coming up today very, very seriously. 100%, Dave. You know, various groups, uh, including the people in general, are going to be paying attention. Our friends, for example, at Conduit are going to put money behind primary challengers for anybody who's not conservative. That doesn't mean relative to this bill alone. That's a much broader point. But Conduit has made a point, as you know, that they understand that the elections that matter in Arkansas are the primary elections because it's a 75 percent Republican legislature. But it's not a 75 percent conservative. legislature. That's right. So various groups like like the good folks at Conduit have put their money where their mouth is, and they've said, we are going to make a difference. We are going to make sure that this state is, in fact, 
as conservative in the legislature as it is in the population, because currently that is not the case. Well, you know it. I know it. Every member of this panel knows it. The mantra we heard going into this session was the legislature wants more respect. The legislature wants the governor to know that we have a part in making law. The legislature wants you to know that it's not just a a one uh, house you know, making the rules around here. There's a judicial, there's a legislative, and there's the executive. The legislative is going to start showing our muscle again. Well, let's see if you're going to walk the walk or you're just doing talking to be talking. That's a balance of power. That's With exactly so many right. Democrat, so many years under Democrat, you know, control, the balance of power has been eroded in the state of Arkansas. But luckily, you know, we do still have the ability to override the governor without a, no, that's a, without, that's a significant without a, point with, without a super majority. So if if we don't have a simple majority to stand up for the freedom of Arkansas, sad. we that is, it is if you change. if you voted for SB 298 and you don't vote to override the governor on his veto then why are you there voting at all? That's my question, Robert. Would you agree with that? That's my question. Is that question broader? We saw that with the bill to return the $60,000 oh, yeah. total, total 60, to the taxpayers of Arkansas, where you had a bunch of people vote for it. And then a few days later, after the veto, they voted against it. And I still don't have an explanation for any of those folks changing their votes. And, I, I will campaign against anybody in that case that changed your vote unless they come up with some great explanation like I pressed the wrong button, I had a brain tumor, I don't want to be, you know, sort of flippant about such a thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, some reason why you completely changed your vote on such a simple notion. And that's across the board. You need to provide me with an explanation. Otherwise, you're not doing your job. Yeah, I just I got to tell you, man. I, I just had Acre on in the first hour from over at UCA, and just in the money that came. Do you know how much money has come into this state because of COVID nineteen? Billions, a li- pretty close to three trillion dollars. Wow, three trillion dollars, and they couldn't give sixty thousand dollars back to mm-hmm. to legitimate small businesses. Paul, you had something you wanted to say. Go ahead. Um, so we've just with, with this um, SB two ninety eight. It's I'm sorry. It's it, it's it's a mess. We we've got senators that are that are um, cowing to bureaucrats, and we and they're a lot of times these these bureaucrats are tax funded lobbyists. We've we've got just nearly every law enforcement agency in the state or or, the, or, or organization from the prosecutors, the sheriffs association, I think the chiefs of police association. They're coming out to fight against our rights, and the legislators are listening to these people, unfortunately. And so, so many cases, these different organizations that are fighting against our rights are tax-funded. These people came out during the time that this bill was went through committee and then went to the floor of the House and the Senate. They voted it into law. Do you believe that sure. yourself as that, that senator or that, or that uh, House member? Or are you just out playing games and you're just drawing a, a paycheck? 
I mean, that's what this comes down to. Now we're down to real serious principle. This is a serious principle. Do you believe in states' rights, or are you a firm believer of centralized government? If you you do, then go to Russia, as far as I'm concerned. Do you believe in the Constitution of the United States of America? The Tenth Amendment is there. We have our sovereignty. It's there because if they hadn't put it there, the states wouldn't have voted for the Constitution. No, Virginia wouldn't have voted for it for sure. That's simple. That's for sure. So our, let's uphold our Constitution, let's uphold our state rights, and let's do the will of the people from the district that elected you. And uh, and if that computer crashes again this time when they get ready to ride the veto, to give them more time to flip votes, <laughs> I, I know, we'll, we'll uh, say the first so, time was a coincidence, but if it happens today, so call I'm your, over, it's not yeah. going to be a coincidence. So call your state call senator. your senators. I just, called, I just texted mine, and Mark Johnson's a, a yes vote on the veto okay, override. Good. So that's, that's good. People, call your senators, call your House representatives, be polite, be nice, ask them to vote to override the governor's veto. Now let me say to Mark Johnson, thanks for uh, writing in and uh, clarifying that, yes, all the senators are up for re-election in 2022 because of redistricting. With that said, Robert Steinbach, go teach some young uh, minds of mush truth, all right? I'll try. Maybe right. one day they'll let me teach constitutional law. Yeah, uh-huh. maybe someday. Don't hold your breath Not on yet. it, though. All right. Not yet. Don't hold your breath. All let right. me come sit on one of those Robert classes. Steinbach, we appreciate him being on. Paul, thank you. Of course, uh, R.D., thank you, and Iverson, thank you. A great hour again here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Tomorrow, we'll talk to Elizabeth Saltillero, and we will also talk to the Bible guys here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We get back together, 6 a.m.